Welcome to another exciting message from Journey Church, meeting weekly in Northwest Calgary. At Journey Church, we're encountering God and embracing people. just make a just a point of highlighting women of purpose so our speaker this year so for a number of years what we've done is as women we've gotten together with all the uh, a number of churches in our city because by the way we don't believe we're the only church in the city all over Calgary today there are churches that are lifting up the name of Jesus and so we think we're better together so this year we've invited Dr. Caroline Leaf to come and speak to us if you've ever read any of Caroline Leaf's um Material. She's written a number of books. She's a leading neuroscientist who talks about um, how our words and our, our, our thoughts actually affect our brain. And um, she's amazing. I mean, if you want to be wowed, I've had a few gentlemen say, I've read her books. Would it be okay if I came? No, it's not okay if you come. Um, we love you, but you can get the tapes. Um, but we're, we're going, uh, we, I think this conference is going to sell out this year, so I, I did want to tell you about this. So back at the Connection Corner, there are, um, there are cards that look like this, and you can take them, and then, ladies, you can buy your ticket. It's, it's really cheap, too, like I think $60, and you're going to hear a world-renowned speaker. So that's my plug for uh, Women of Purpose. It's going to be amazing. And this is a great, this, by the way, this will be a great, time gentlemen maybe this would be a good gift to give to your leading lady for valentine's day see how i'm helping you out here i'm helping you out even almost a month in advance and then you don't have to be panicked on february 13th when you think ah. i know all of you a lot of you are like i don't we don't believe in valentine's day that's a hallmark holiday i'd like to tell you that the only people that believe it's a hallmark holiday are the people that don't want to buy gifts for people. <laughs> so <laughs> you can take that up with me at a later time. Um, <laughs> I want to conclude our series on Fresh Start uh, this week. Next week, by the way, we're going to start uh, a new series uh, that's going to be an expositional series on the book of Esther. And I, I am like, I am, I am a geek. I'm so excited about it. Like, I, I was away last week. Um, teaching at a Bible college and then teaching at a university student ministries thing. But the whole week I had, I had a little bit of extra time because I didn't have four kids. Um, well, I did. I still had the four kids. But I'm going to let you know that your pastor, Dave, he, some of you need to take dad lessons from him. I was away for an entire week, and I came back, and the laundry was done, and my house was clean, like really clean. And, uh, yeah, you need to cheer for him. <laughs> it's like a salve. It's like a salve, really. This is what I'm doing. It's a salve right now. But, but I will say, I had a couple of extra uh, hours in my week. I, I'm like, now, I'm always excited to teach the Word of God, but I'm, I'm like, really excited about this series. Um, Esther is a, is a really, um, it's, it's a book that doesn't get preached very often. In the first 700 years that... Um, the church was established. There were absolutely no commentaries written about Esther. 
And so we're going to talk about that next week. And I, I think the Word of God is going to blow your mind, and I'm really excited about it. But I am excited to finish this series as well on Fresh Start. Um, whenever you look at Scripture, I'm, I'm always struck by the patterns that are highlighted. Um, and, and God speaks in these patterns. And one of the patterns in the text that I've noticed over and over again is that God tends to wait a long time to do the things we ask him to do. And if you were to describe God, you would not really be able to describe him as an early bird. It's not the kind of God we serve. Uh, and uh, example, Abraham and Sarah had to wait until they were 190 before they had a baby. Moses had to wait 40 years on the backside of a desert before he got called of God. David chased by Saul for decades after he was anointed king. Jesus on his way, and you know, we can say, well, that was just an Old Testament idea. God's changed his mind. Not really. Because Jesus' best friend Lazarus died, and then he waited a couple of days to go and see him. Now, do you ever have a friend who you text, and you know they are attached to that phone, and then they don't text you back? <laughs> and, and you'd like to say, I'm cool, it's fine. If you don't want to text me back, that's fine. And you're looking at your phone every five minutes like you're, like you're a 12-year-old. Why haven't they texted me back? Well, oh, apparently they're so busy. And you know, you start to have all this talking in your head, right? So Lazarus dies, and then Jesus decides to take a couple of days to get there. And then um, Zechariah and Elizabeth, they're having John, and they're old. And I mean, the stories go on and on. Just about every story in the Bible is a story of somebody saying, and by the way, they had to wait for a long time, and then a miracle happens. The problem for us, though, is that we see the miracle and go, clearly God's not working in my life. Because we forget the front end of everybody's story is that they had to wait, and then God came through. And this is true not just in material things that we want, but also, but also in character that we wish we had. So a lot of us come to Jesus, and we think, great. I've come to Jesus, I've become a spiritual person now. And then we wonder on Tuesday when we're screaming at our kids, what is going on here? I thought that I was a new creation. Has anybody ever been there? Just me? Yeah, we've all been there. I think, though, it's because God is more interested in forming us than he is in giving us what we want. He's more interested in forming us, and that is not just about, oh, I've prayed in a Rolls Royce for the last 10 years. He, he's more interested in forming patience in you than he is in just, here you go, now you're a perfectly patient person all the time. This is the God we serve. And we've been talking about this, I mean, this preached as well. I mean, you can say that God is more interested in forming you. you there's a lot of ways that you could preach this out, like with a lot of sweat and you get a lot of amens. He's more interested. But this has major implications for us in our lives. They're not quite as, um, how shall I say, shiny. This has a lot of uh, ramifications for us in our everyday lives. On Monday morning when we roll out of bed and don't feel very spiritual, this is important for us. You see, we've been talking about this idea of January being a fresh start and we get to make new habits. And we've said this, we are what we repeatedly do. And that we form habits, but our habits end up forming us. And that your habits are the sum total of what you spend your time thinking about doing each day. And so we've talked about a number of things related to this. We've talked about how we think about things, how we 
what we do, uh, the things that we, when we do the things we don't want to do, how we do this. But coincidentally, this is usually the week in the calendar when people give up. Right? So we're in the fourth week. They say that last Monday, so the 19th, it's called, um, it's the saddest day of the year, apparently, according to psychologists. Uh, this is the year because, uh, and the reason for that is you all get your credit card bill back from Christmas. And you know how you started off January 1st saying, this is the year that I'm going to lose 20 pounds a month. And you're looking at that scale and you've gained three pounds. You don't know how that would, that's called people gave you chocolate for Christmas. It's so mean. It's a very mean thing we do to ourselves. I've had a little... I've had a little thing of chocolate by my bed when we were when we were praying and fasting. When we were fasting, it was very difficult. I had to hide it all. But now the chocolate, it feels like it's never ending. It feels like I can eat anyways. That's another. Um. And so this is the week, if you're a gym rat, this is the week where you think, woo, all the, all the people who made, they come for like the first two and a half weeks. It's very stressful because you can't get on any machines. You have to stand there and breathe like this. If you breathe heavy, people generally, they get nervous by that. It's a technique. You can thank me later for it. Just breathe heavy. But this is the week nobody's there anymore. And you think, great, I'm back to normal. And a lot of us, what happens is we fall off the train for a lot of reasons. Um, one being the cold last week. How many of you just thought to yourself last week, I'm never going outside again. I'm just... Yeah, I'm going to go to the bay. I'm going to buy one of those, like, daylight lights. You know, you can buy one of those daylight lights so you can get the vitamin D. You never need to go outside again. Um, and this is uh, where, once again, most of us silently resign ourselves to the February slump of bad habits. And I, I want to call us to something different this year. So the question is, how does this sync up with the text that we've been talking about over the last couple of weeks? Because here's what the text says. Let me remind you, 2 Corinthians 4, 16 and 17. Therefore, we don't lose heart, even on the third week in January. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So here's the question. If we're being renewed day by day, how come for most of us the third week in January we tend to feel stuck? We tend to feel like I came into the year with all this gusto and I was going to whatever you were going to do. But by the third week in January, we start to feel a bit stuck. And the question is, what is going on here? How come I don't feel like I'm being renewed day by day? How come I don't feel like I'm somehow living in this reality and I think it's here that we need a bit of a theological lesson. So our, our, as Christians, our belief is that Jesus, God's one and only son, came to the earth to show us the way to the Father and give us the free gift of salvation. As believers in Jesus today, we don't believe that we earn our way into salvation. This is a basic tenet of Christianity. Uh, in 2 Corinthians 5.17, it says that Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Okay, so we, we actually believe this at a very uh, foundational level, that when we come to Jesus, we don't come to him like all fixed up, like I'm going to work my way into because because we're all broken. We are broken. On our, we just come to Jesus broken, and he says, yep, 
I accept you. My grace is yours. Now, most of us can swallow that. Most of us can swallow that because we live with ourselves. And we know that we are broken and that we actually need a savior to save us. Um, the scriptures go on. We don't believe that we earn our way to heaven. And um, the scriptures go on. It says, Ephesians 2, 8, 9, it says, For by grace you've been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Okay, so the writer of Ephesians is saying, listen, none of you, none of you can get to heaven, can get to Jesus by like working your way into it. I don't care if you're Canadian and you're polite. You, you don't have a way of doing that. You're broke. That's basically what the writer says. And you need this grace. Romans 6. But the question becomes, uh, how once we accept this gift of salvation, what happens then? Okay, so it's Sunday morning. You've decided, yeah, I'm going to say yes to Jesus. I can't work my way into this. I'm going to accept his grace. By the way, this is a hard thing to do if we believe in the myth of hyper-individualism and self-made people. And I would, I would suggest that in our society, it is very easy to believe in the self-made person. We believe the myth of one man or one woman. And the scripture tells us that no, to come to Jesus, we have to say, yes, Jesus, I accept you. Okay, so this is, some of you are saying you're giving me a very basic lesson today. I am because I think it's important that what, what happens then on Monday, if we've given our life to Jesus on Sunday, what happens to us on Monday? And the Apostle Paul talks a little bit about this in Romans chapter 6. He says, so what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning? He's saying, basically, if God gives us grace, shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live to it any longer? Okay, so Paul's saying, okay, so you accept you accept salvation by faith and grace, but then, but then what happens? I want to suggest that many of us start off by grace, and so we accept the gift of salvation, but as soon as we have salvation, we try to be renewed by works. We, we, we try to be good by like doing all the right things and now following all the Jesus rules. And, and I, I want to suggest it's why many Christians seem like they're just rule-following people in straitjackets. I, 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 I want to suggest that a lot of us, we say, yes, I'm totally broken, Jesus. I need you to make me a new creation. And then the day after that, we're like, okay, so now what are the 775 rules I have to follow? And it's kind of like this. Um, if you were given a motorcycle and somebody put the motor on your motorcycle, great, I have a motorcycle now. Um, and it's, and, or a, let's just, maybe you're averse to motorcycles, well, you get a car, and now, like, cars have changed the way that we get from point A to point B, but then, after getting, upon receiving the car, or receiving the motorcycle, you think, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to use this motorcycle as a push bike, and you get on the motorcycle, and you just push it. Now, if you saw somebody doing that out on the roads, you would think, that that makes no sense. Why don't you turn the gas on and use it? But I want to suggest that that's how many of us are living our Christian life. And um, we, so we come to a verse like 2 Corinthians 14 that says, Though outwardly we're wasting away, yet inwardly we're renew being renewed day by day. We think to ourselves, well, I'm just going to, all right then, giddy up. i got to climb that mountain of being renewed day by, I am going to be renewed today. I'm going to do all the right things. I will be getting up at 4 a.m. And we have this idea that we can be transformed 
by working our way into it. And yet the scriptures never teach us that. The burden of sanctifying ourselves is then placed on the shoulders of us, and it's impossible to bear. It, it's imp- Some of you are here, and you've felt like, I, I signed up for this Jesus, but like I, f- I feel like I'm not getting better, and I feel like I'm not being renewed, and I feel like I can't do it. And it does one of two things to us. It means that we either feel rejection, like I guess I'm just not spiritual enough, Do you know how many times I've talked to people in my office or over coffee? And they said this to me, Jess, like, I I want to love Jesus, but I just, I'm just not very spiritual. So they either feel rejected or it causes people to isolate themselves and pretend. So, like, if I'm not doing enough work, if I'm not getting it done, if I'm not pushing my bike up the hill, well, then what I do is pretend that I am. And by pretending I am, then I, I, then I make my life worse because now I'm living a lie, right? So I'm covering up for where I'm not good enough. So then this sounds fine. We're to be renewed by grace the same way that we're saved. But what I found myself asking, and maybe you're asking, how do I do that? Does it mean that I just like basically get on a spiritual... Um, like pool float and just like lays around. Just whatever, God, you're going to renew me. And I, I, I would suggest that that's probably not what the scripture wants us to do, but I, I think it's a lot more simple than we have made it. Um, C.S. Lewis once said this, it would seem that our, Lord's, that our Lord finds our desires not too strong but too weak. This is an interesting quote because I think a lot of us think, we get up in the morning and we think, I could just manage this is the voice I do inside my head. If I could all just manage all my bad impulses, like if my desires could just get like my sinful desires, because we all have them, yes? Because we all have sinful desires? Yes, yes, yes. It's a lot better when you say, it's a lot better when you come out into the light and say, yes, I do. Some of you are just at the point right now where the only thing you can say is your, my sinful desire is that I just work too hard. Do you know, that's, a, that's one that you all use at a, at a job interview. When you're in a job interview and they say, what's one of your weaknesses? Well, one of my weaknesses is that I just work too hard. I'm just too committed. Okay, but you're not in a job interview with God. Okay, God is not asking you like, how could, let me line you up and see if I'll accept you. What's your weakness? No, God accepts us as we are. He knows you have weaknesses anyways. So it's better for you to just go, yes, we all have weaknesses, terrible ones, terrible ones. But he is renewing us. And the, the terrible ones that I'm dealing with and that you're dealing with today won't be the ones that we're dealing with later. We just have to allow him to to work on us. So, so C.S. Lewis said, it would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong but too weak. The answer then to sanctification, to becoming renewed every day, to becoming transformed, to getting our habits, to having a fresh start is not moralism. It's not trying to make better decisions, but instead it's falling more deeply in love with Jesus. The answer is not moralism. The answer is not do these 17 things and try to stay away from these 4,000 things. The answer 
It's to fall in love with Jesus more deeply. And this is not just a pat or trite theological answer. This is not the equivalent. As I was writing this message, I was thinking to myself, so basically what I'm saying is the answer is Jesus. We used to laugh at our kids that when um, they go to Sunday school and like, you could answer any question, what's the answer? Jesus, Jesus. When we go to church, sometimes that, uh, it, it can sound trite, but I, I want you to know that the best thing you can do in terms of perseverance, in terms of the things that God has called you to do, is not pull up your pants more and put on your walking boots. These are terrible sayings. I don't, I'm terrible at sayings. I don't even know, is that a saying, pull up your pants more? I don't think so. I'm like, where's, pull up your socks. That's the, that's, okay, but I will say if you come to this church, it's like an exercise in where's Waldo. Every week, you can say to yourself, what saying did Jessica get wrong this week? And I wish I could tell you, those of you that speak other languages in our church, or can I just say this as an aside? I respect you so much because I only speak English and I can't get the sayings right. <laughs> and I speak for a living. So... Any time that you're feeling bad about yourself, just think to yourself, I'm going to go to church on Sunday. I'm going to have a Where's Waldo experience. I don't have to feel bad at all. Okay, anyways, that's an aside. We don't have to pull up our socks. Thank you for that visual, Dave. So how do we continue to grow? How, so how do we actually fall in love with Jesus more? Because that sounds like, what? How am I going to do that? Because, you, you know, it's funny. You've never had somebody say, you need to fall in love with Kentucky Fried Chicken more. It's your goal. What? Uh, and so sometimes I think when we say, fall in love with Jesus more, I mean, it sounds nice, but how do I, how do I actually do that on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday? And I think there are some things that Scripture shows us. The first thing is this. We've got to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. Because everything you're trying to persevere through right now, everything, whether it's you want to get your body in better shape or you want to stop eating Doritos every night or uh, you want to get your anger under control or your finances fixed, all of this must come under the lordship of Jesus. Otherwise, we are, we are calling you to some kind of humanism where we have Jesus as a magic rabbit's foot and, and then everything else, we're pulling up our socks and trying to do it on our own. Everything's got to come under the lordship of Jesus. So, so this, this means that the reason, the reason I'm not going to eat Doritos every night is because I understand that my body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. And the reason I'm going to do that is because I, I have found this Jesus who, who's calling the best out of me. This, this is not just semantics. This changes everything. We have to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. The book of Hebrews tells us this. But how do we do that realistically when life is going by very quickly? And I, I want to call you back to the ancient practice of, of engaging in centering prayers three, four, five times, six times a day. In fact, for some of us, we need to just set a little beep on our watch. And a centering prayer is essentially this, where we just pray a prayer that keeps us close to the heart of Jesus, keeps us fixed on Jesus. And for a, a number of years of my life, I just kept a little um, little timer that would go off on my uh, BlackBerry. Or no, it was a Palm Pilot. Yes, I'm Palm Pilot old. And um, it would just, just remind me, and I would just pray a really short prayer. God, 
In this moment, give me eyes to see, ears to hear, and a heart to obey and understand. And I pray that prayer 20 times. Now, it doesn't matter exactly what the words are. We don't need to get hung up on the words. But the point is, is that a bunch of times a day, we're saying to God, God, help me to fix my eyes on you. And this isn't about um, religious ritual. This is about training our hearts to fix our eyes on Jesus. And this is the way, by doing this, it makes us see the world, listen, see the world through Jesus' eyes. If, if the only time you're um, keeping your eyes fixed on Jesus is on Sunday morning, I'm going to tell you that you're going to be trapped in some humanistic cycle of failing and trying to figure it out on your own. And I'm your biggest fan, but you're going to fail. And, and the only way we can actually, we can actually fix our, ourselves is by letting God fix us. This, this is the only way, the, the best way to self-betterment uh, is by keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus. Now, hear me. I'm not saying today that you can't, oh, that, that PX90 program you took, that is wrong. I'm not saying that. And I'm not saying, wow, you decided to eat more veggies this year. Did you pray about that? I'm not saying that either. But I am saying this, that, that our lives as Christ followers can't just be bifurcated like a little bit of Jesus and a lot bit of me trying really hard. That's like a recipe for super frustration and wondering why do we do this Christianity thing anyways. It's all got to come under the lordship of Jesus. And that changes us. And, and then I also think we, we need to begin to ask God to reveal himself to us in a deepening way. In a deepening way. It's why we worship for a little bit off the top. Some of you are new to church and new to the things of church. And you think, why do you always start singing? It's because we're asking God, would you corporately reveal yourself to us in a deepening way? Give us eyes to see, ears to hear, heart to obey and understand. And all of us, all of us, no matter how far you've come with God, the Bible tells us that we can never know how high or how deep or how wide is his love for us. We can always have God reveal something more of us uh, to, to us. And the third thing is this, remember that your life is now his. So when we came, when we come to Christ, we don't say to Jesus, okay, yeah, sure, I'll make that decision for you. A little bit of Jesus won't hurt anybody. No, Jesus actually calls us to a hard word. He says, give all of yourself to all of me. And when we remember that, we're no longer like just trying to fix X, Y, and Z in our life. We're actually saying, God, help every part of my life to come under the lordship of your kingdom. Help every part of my life to come under the lordship of who you are. And, and, and the reason we got to be in the word and in prayer is so that we know him. So that we understand him more. We don't read our Bibles or pray because we get like magic Jesus stars for that. We do it so that we can say, God, reveal yourself to me more. All of my life is yours. Now, is this a scary prayer to pray? Yes. Yes. Yes, but when I read the Gospels, I don't see Jesus saying, hey, hey, you know what, just, just pray a little prayer every now and again, and we'll be good. I see Jesus saying, whoever wants to come after me has got to take up his cross and follow me. Though a seed falls, it's got to die. Like, like basically, Jesus preaches this very hard message that says, like, you've got to give, I, what I'm going to give you is free. But what you've got to give me is all of yourself. And when you see Christians 
Like, this is very concerning to me. I've told you before my love for stats. And um, if you're taking stats right now, I will come and help you just because I like it. I like making those little signs. I just like the, I like the whole, I like all the math. But um, you don't even laugh about that now. You're like, we know. We have had to put up with your charts. Um, But the stats that say that Christians morally are really no different than non-Christians was so troubling to me. As a young pastor, so troubling to me. And I would always think, that might be true for some people, but surely not the church I'm pastoring. Most people are different. And then when I was in my early 20s, people would come into my office. And for the first 300 appointments I had with people, I would be like, what? I was was dumbfounded. Because truthfully, Christians' lives didn't look a lot different than people who weren't Christians. The longer I've gotten into this, the more that I've realized when Christians' lives don't look different than anybody else's, it's for this precise reason. When you drill down on it, it's because people haven't given all of themselves to Jesus. They've used Jesus as a magic rabbit foot. That he's just some good luck charm that they've got, or insurance policy to keep them out of hell. And God wants so much more for you than that. He's got so much more for you than that. He doesn't want you just to have like a... And listen, moms and dads, your kids need to see more of Christianity than you coming to church on Sunday morning. They need to see a Christianity that infuses and that, that takes over every part of your life. That's what's going to wake them up and say, oh, my mom and dad have something that's different. Some of you are praying for your kids to come back to Jesus. I was very, I was, we were very struck by this as you just shared some of your heart for your family. Can I tell you that the best way that your family is going to see Jesus in you is by you giving, not you trying harder, not you trying to do all the 75 things right, but you actually falling more in love with Jesus and giving all of yourself is going to make a, a huge difference. Okay, so how does it help? How does this help? Because some of you are like, listen, I just was trying to come for some advice on how to get on my treadmill more often, and I feel like you've wrecked that for me now. <laughs> so how, how does this help? I, I think a couple of things, and I, I was really thinking about this as I was away. I think it uncomplicates things. Because do you ever think about your life and think about all the like, have you ever thought about all the things, the bad habits that you've got to undo? Like, if, if I were to tell you that your homework, this is not your homework, please do not go do this. But write down all the bad things about yourself. Do not go do this. We are very close to the saddest Monday in January. Do not go do this. But if you were honest with yourself, that would be a very long list. Because you would think about, oh, the fact that you don't actually floss your teeth. And then you go to the dentist and say, I'm not flossing as much as I should be. And they ask you, that's a little trick for you. Uh, <laughs> or you think to yourself, I don't. Um, they're just like, it's endless, isn't it? It's endless. The things that are like, when you start unturning rocks. But when we say that my only job really is to fall more in love with Jesus. And when I fall more in love with Jesus, my life begins to make sense. It's a lot less complicated. I feel a lot less stressed out about that because now I, I don't have to worry about all the things. God's just going to reveal the things to me and he's going to renew me day by day. My job is just to get under his umbrella to let his life get in me. 
And it forces me to trust God. Some of you are your own Messiah. Listen, if, if you've got to work it out all on your own, that means that you're the Messiah, by the way. Your little Messiah, you. And if you had a little, none of you are a Messiah. I know you. I know me. I'm frightened by that fact. So, but this allows us to just say, God, I'm going to fall more in love with you, and you're going to reveal to me, and out of relationship with you, I'm going to work on these things. Okay, we're going to do it together. Oh, that's a lot better than I have to work. Now I'm on episode 4065 in my life. But some some of you think, I know this right now. Some of you are like, yeah, but what about holiness? How come you're not calling out sin right now, Pastor Jess? There are people in sin in our church. Now, by the way, if you have that, re- if you have that reaction right away, sometimes that's because there's things in your life that are, anyways, that's another aside. I will say this, though. I trust. I, I got to trust that this Jesus that I'm going to fall in love with, that I'm going to, like, focus my life on, that I'm going to give everything, that he's going to work it out in your life. So, so this allows us not to be judgmental. Because, like, it's not my business what Jesus is working out in your life. Because he's working out stuff in my life. And, and, it, and it causes me to drop judgment. And it causes me just to say, God, for that person that is doing X, Y, or Z, I'm praying that you would reveal yourself to them in a deep and powerful way. Jesus, I'm praying that you would show yourself to them. And I'm no longer praying, God. I pray that the pastor would preach about holiness today and fire would fall on them. And they, you know just allows us to say, God, all of me to all of you. And it gives me assurance that he's working out all things for my good. All things. Have you ever wondered when Moses got rid of his stutter? I have. So ostensibly, he was born to a palace. He would have had all the best teachers in the world, but he had a very bad stutter. And then he killed somebody with the stutter. And then he had to run to the backside of the desert. And he had to marry somebody who was not Jewish, by the way. And then God, he says, I can't do it. Unlike slow speech, and most theologians will tell you, or biblical studies people will tell you that he had a stutter, a very bad stutter. Do you think Moses asked God to take that away from him? 40, 60, 70 years? Like if people in the Bible are anything like people now, I'm going to say yes. And yet God somehow used that weakness in Moses to reveal his power and his glory. Some of you are here, and on the third week of January, you want to quit. Because you think, I'm just never going to get better. Can I just tell you, don't try to charge the mountain yourself because it could be could it be that that thing that seems to keep tripping you up is the thing that god will end up using for his glory and his power and you see this idea of falling more deeply in love with jesus is so much more beautiful because it means that i don't have to beat myself up for not getting out of bed this morning at 4 a.m i can just say god you see my heart you know that I want to I, I, I have eyes to see, ears to hear, heart to understand. And God can use that. He's not a God who throws lightning bolt at us. 
He is a God who says, he's not a God that says, pull yourself up. He's a God that says, come to me, all you who are weary, heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I'm going to ask the band just to return, Bill to return. You see, this is what defines biblical perseverance. So I had started off talking about, I, I had started off in the beginning of my research, how do I help people to persevere through the fresh start? And the more that I looked at perseverance in the Bible, the more that I realized, oh, it's not what I think it is. It's not like try harder, do harder, do more, do better. It's not come to Jesus and do. It's come to Jesus and be. We get it mixed up. We say come to Jesus and do, 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 do. It's come to Jesus and be. And I couldn't find any scriptures. I was studying this and studying I couldn't find any scriptures that said try harder. I couldn't. There are none. But there were a ton of scriptures that said what we have to do is fall more in love with Jesus. The scripture in Hebrews 12, verse 1 says, Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, which, by the way, we're all running this race, but I, I want you to know that you are surrounded by people that have run the race and won, and they are cheering for you today. They're shouting, don't give up. This is what it says. It doesn't, I want, I want you to hear what it doesn't say. It doesn't say try harder. It says, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Okay, so this means, it doesn't mean try harder. It just means, God, this sin keeps trapping me. I, I can't, I'm going to throw it off today. And then what it tells you to do is this, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Here's how we do it. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. Do you notice here that it doesn't say, and fix our eyes on Jesus because you're going to work it out. It says that Jesus is the pioneer of your faith. He's the one that called you to it. Many of you know this in this room. You never called yourself. God chased after you like a mad person just chasing you chase, chasing you down you couldn't get away from him he's the one that started your faith and he is the perfecter of your faith you're not the perfecter of your faith he is some of you just need to tab that you've had a big weight on your shoulders for a long time you, you felt like I'm never going to make it I can't kick this pornography habit I can't, I can't kick this habit or that habit and, and God says the way that you're the way that you're going to get there, the way that you're going to actually mar run your race is by keeping your eyes on him. And it's because he's been there. For the joy set out before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him. So that means think about him. Keep your eyes fixed on him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. This morning I'm praying for all of you, that you wouldn't grow weary and lose heart, but that you'd be renewed today, that you'd say, yes, God, yes, to your renewal in my life. I ask you all over the place to just stand with me this morning. I believe that the Spirit of God is here. The presence of Jesus is here. we're here in this moment, would you just uh, 
go through a little exercise with me. Just raise your hands to heaven. Maybe just pray this, all of me, God, to all of you. Help me to fix my eyes on you. Give me eyes to see, Jesus. Give me ears to hear you. Some of you are here and you felt a tremendous amount of guilt. You walked with guilt. Just in this moment, would you just feel that guilt just coming right off your shoulders right now? He who the sun sets free is free indeed. He's called you to freedom. He's called you to live in freedom. And he is the one who will perfect your faith. You don't have to be spiritual enough or have the right things to say. But as you keep your eyes fixed on him... Some of these things that you've been struggling with for a long, long time, I I just believe are going to be broken in Jesus' name. So God, we break off every chain that the enemy would, would cause us to walk with. We break every chain in the name of Jesus. And God, we thank you that we don't have to live this life in a natural way, but we can live it in a naturally supernatural way. So we pray the supernatural power and presence of Jesus to permeate our lives to permeate our hearts. God, we don't want to just be humanists that come to church on Sunday. We want to be people that are totally enraptured by you, by your presence, by your power. We thank you for your grace that although it was free, it it was not cheap. We thank you that you endured the cross for us. God, I pray that today we would fall more deeply in love that we would have a deepening understanding of who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to us today. For more information about who we are, head over to myjourney.church or look for us on your favorite social media outlet.